y'all. Welcome to Day Car Pod. I'm Jenna, and this episode is going to be a little different than our normal episodes. Um, you know, it's just going to be kind of fast and loose and sassy as fuck. Okay, you know, I, okay, everyone, let's just cut to the chase. Everyone knows this week my life was changed. I, um, you know, I was just minding my business down in LA on Saturday, and Taylor Swift drops this amazing you know 10 minute video I listen to it because all my friends are watching it I'm like let me just check out what this is and who would have guessed that in that exact moment I would have transformed into a beautiful butterfly and become a Swifty at the age of 30 fucking six (laughs) and everything just kind of changed for me really and I woke up the next morning I asked the Instagram I said hey give me some context for this amazing video that has now just like seeped into my veins and I woke up to you know no less than 300 messages about what does it mean who are we talking about what is happening and yeah I just I, I I was a changed woman that day little did I know that I was also going to be blessed with this new tool in which I could dissect my white whale I guess of sorts Nick Vial um (laughs) I I should have known that he was also gonna wake up that day and have a transformation um actually not really he's kind of always been this way um and he was gonna have some thoughts and opinions on this video as well um and then you know if you look, if you watch the Instagram stories, you know that I kind of went in on him. He had some really kind of gross, missing the point, you know, opinions on the video. And I should have known then and there that Sunday that the episode of his podcast that he released yesterday was coming. I should have known, but I'm a fucking fool. Um, <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, yesterday he released an episode on the Vial Files uh, where he brought in a counselor. And they had a hour plus conversation about, about everything. Let's just get into it. Okay. So I'm not going to be doing this alone today. I I just, I got all heated about it. So I brought in some friends of mine to come and talk to me about this because we're all just like in our feels about it. Right. Um, So please welcome to the podcast, my friend, Tristan and Candice. Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) So psyched. Okay, so my thought process of this is I was DMing with you both this week. So Tristan, you have been going to school um to become a counselor. Correct. Yes. Yes. Um, you're in the middle of doing your master's. Yes, I'm getting my master's in counseling in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, lovely. I love that area. Wow. Um, it's lovely place yeah definitely oh my gosh and you're also a bachelor fan you're wearing a game of roses t-shirt right now (laughs) as i am too we are here for the right reasons (laughs) for sure um and then uh candace you're you're a good friend of mine we talk all the time um and you're a big batchy and you also are a big fan of uh discourse regarding relationship trauma <laughs> yes I, I I don't know if I'm a fan <laughs> I'm uh I'm I'm a fan of all of the learning and growth that comes with it and mm-hmm. and the the therapy that I've been in to understand it all for sure 
Yeah. Yes. And you're also a Swifty. I am 1000% a Swifty. <laughs> yes. Tristan, I mean, oh, go ahead. Candace. I, I was just going to say, I, I, I don't think I, at the degree that I mm-hmm. have seen and mm-hmm. especially in the last like mm-hmm. year or two, I re- respect to, to the, the hardcore Swifties for sure. Um, yeah. but I, I have, I have all of the love for Taylor and her journey. So for sure. You know, that was actually something this week that was also really weird for me. It's going into this new adventure of like exploring her music and loving what she's like doing is that I also was reminded of like, you know, that all fandoms are kind of horrible and that her fandom can be a little intense, um, you know, and they really care about her and they will go to, you know, deep lengths to protect their queen. So, you know, I'm not trying to give a subscription to like team Taylor forever, you know, <laughs> she, she's a human being like us all. Um, but I am enjoying listening to this music. People have been sending me playlists and I have so much to consume. So I'm very excited about this. <laughs> you have so, lots to catch up on. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> Interesting. You said your partner is a big Swifty. Yes, she wanted me to tell you she really enjoyed watching your journey over the past few days. <laughs> it's been it's been beautiful to watch. <laughs> a journey for the ages, a story. Oh, for indeed. The ages. <laughs> I mean, I personally am not nearly as knowledgeable as the next Swifty. I wouldn't even quite call myself a Swifty. And there's that therapy. And mm-hmm. I have begun to dip my toes into the swift waters and I'm liking what I'm hearing so far the thing about Taylor is she's an excellent songwriter yeah and she writes about experiences that so many of us can relate to on a cellular level truly and I think that's one of the reasons why she has such a huge fan base like can you imagine like yeah like connecting with an artist that you really you do really feel like they they feel you and they love you. Like that video I posted the other day where that girl was crying because she was high on medication, but she was just like, <laughs> Taylor knows me. And I was like, yeah, I guess that's how it feels. <laughs> that video is incredible. It was so good. I I mean, I can't relate to that intense of a love, but I felt it. And I was like, this is valid. You're <laughs> valid. You're so right. Um, so what we're going to do today (laughs) is I want to make clear that we're not here to like, (sighs) how do I really, I'm like, (laughs) okay. (laughs) After listening to an hour and a half of Nick Vial, it's like hard to have thoughts, right? Okay. We're not here to necessarily pick apart literally everything he said and to like say that the counselor and him that were on there, the doctor that are like all wrong about everything they talked about in the episode. There was in fact, actually some moments that were really good. I do think maybe people can leave that episode feeling like they learned something about how to interact in relationships currently, or maybe how they acted when they were younger. And so I think in some parts the episode could have value to people, but I think what really struck me is that like the, the why of it all, like what was the purpose of relating it to this song in this moment because as he showed us on Sunday, he's very defensive about the word gaslighting being used incorrectly and too much. And that is his, his big like acts to like carry. He has been going on that about that for a while. He's had this doctor on before to defend the likes of Greg. 
and go way too much into it. And it was just frustrating to me that I was just like, what is like, why is this your like initial like thought process to take this moment where this woman is expressing herself and her experiences that is validating to the masses and tear it apart and discredit a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. And totally. it, it was a lot of mis like he, trying to redirect the attention. Mm-hmm. It, it felt, it felt very, uh, I was like, Nick, you know, this song's not about you, right? <laughs> Right. <laughs> it really felt super defensive. Yeah. Um, and it just seemed like, what was the purpose? It made me think like, is he, is this going to become a new series for him? Is he going to bring on a divorce lawyer, lawyer to like talk about the new Adele album? Like, what is he? <laughs> 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 it's so weird to like take this moment and like, okay, okay, I'll take that back. It's not weird to take a pop culture moment and like think about it, but like his uh his first instinct was to defend the man that was clear on Sunday. And I think it's pretty clear after listening to this podcast episode, his instinct was to defend the guy in this situation to an extent. And I think he missed a huge, big component that we'll get into greatly um, the age of it all. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think we just want, I just wanted to talk uh, with some people like-minded about it and maybe hopefully our listeners just feel like they're also heard. I think, like I said, there could be some value to what he said, but I want there to be some value to like the other side of it and like talking about like, let's just validate like what we are experiencing in relationships, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. <sighs> the, uh, the, I, I know this was a theme because we were, we were all DMing about this, but like the theme that I know we'll, we'll dive into is this, I mean, I don't, I'm going to put in quotations, the, the victim blaming, mm-hmm. um, if, if we're calling, I guess, Sadie in the video, the, the victim, but, mm-hmm. um, it was a lot of like trying to justify the treatment and mm-hmm. the, the behavior and mm-hmm. not once in the podcast. And, and perhaps I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I don't, I don't think I heard any discussion as to what the male counterpart in this argument in this kitchen scene could have done differently. It was all about how she should have reacted, Mm. how she should have responded, Mm -hmm. how she should have reacted in a different way to get a different reaction out of him. And I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit here and there's lots to comb through, but it's, uh, was was pretty difficult to listen to for sure. (laughs) Fully, fully agree. The, the psychologist, the doctor, very early on spoke to Sadie's emotionality mm-hmm. and that very quickly reminds me of the patriarchal idea of hysteria mm-hmm. and those assigned female at birth and how emotionality is used uh is kind of a, like it's a bad thing mm-hmm. and I know speaking from my personal lived experience, I have always been someone who feels big emotions Mm -hmm. and feels them readily. And Mm -hmm. I don't love that, but I've been told that's a good thing. And um, I know that I would think the point they were trying to make was perhaps the reaction. She was really worked up. And so, um, in the heat of an argument, you know, having the 
ability to pause Mm -hmm. before reacting. Yes. Which is something we all want to work toward. Mm -hmm. And no one is perfect. Mm -hmm. And experiencing emotions is a good thing. Yes, certainly. And we will get into the age of it all because that (laughs) is the big theme here. But age plays a key factor in how she responds in this fight. Mm -hmm. Certainly. And yeah, the emotionality, like the, the borderline putting a lot of a lot of weight on the actions of Sadie was uncomfortable for me to listen to for sure like you know they I mean they really do just say in the episode like if she hadn't come out so emotional then Dylan wouldn't have felt so flooded and so like potentially um like suffocated held hostage you know um things like that but I was like, I rewatched the scene. She is calm. She is calm in the beginning. And he, Dylan immediately comes in with what's wrong. Why are you mad at me? You are acting a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that is making this whole night. And like immediately starts talking to her about how she's acting. She's staying calm. So like that argument just like completely doesn't work. So it's almost like the, to me, it's like these two individuals watched this video and just got their feelings all in a bundle over here and just like forgot like <laughs> the start of the fight was very much not Sadie's like fault it was his lack of if we're talking about communication because yeah. that's what a big focus was her lack of ability to communicate yeah it he comes in and like thrusts this this thing on her with uh and I don't, I'm paraphrasing of course but like what's wrong with you why are you pissed like mm-hmm you're acting this way as mm-hmm. opposed to you seem upset. Do you want to talk about something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if we're going by Nick and this counselor, I, I forget her name, but by their prescription, so mm-hmm. to speak of this situation, mm-hmm. then shouldn't that have been his approach then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to come in and, and, and discuss, ask, ask her instead of uh, thwarting that uh, narrative onto her. Mm-hmm. Um, Tristan, were you going to say something? Uh, just that's a great point because I very distinctly remember the doctor saying how Sadie could have communicated differently, but I don't recall them saying anything about how what's his name, Dylan? Dylan yeah, Dylan. Dylan could have responded yeah. differently, and he was right. kind of the one. I mean, he was reading her body language, but he was the one who initiated that discussion. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And like he, he, they talk a lot about the attachment styles that, that they they prescribe to these individuals. Okay, so let's exactly. get into that. So it's yes. funny, Nick. Nick goes on and on about how harmful it is to use certain dis- diagnoses towards people, and I agree overall, of course, right? Yes, yes, we're all in agreement with that. Labels and yes, yes, yeah. um, yes. but. He is like, we shouldn't be subscribing this. We shouldn't be diagnosing people with narcissism, et cetera, et cetera. And then he immediately, the doctor and him start describing um, that Sadie is a anxious um, attachment style and that Dylan is an avoidant attachment style. And they throughout the entire time say that, but then they completely give him a pass for just having an avoidant style, which is a pretty harmful style. It's not like whatever, no one's like trying to be villainous per se, right? Unless they are, but it's like it was very frustrating to me well and also I think at one point 
they actually say they they mention avoidant and then the the doctor the counselor says we don't want to we're not assuming that he is avoidant we don't want to we don't want to make that assumption and then in the next breath says but Sadie's anxious attachment style dictates blah 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 like and then immediately like assigns it to her and I'm like wait what like we don't want to assume something about him but we're ready to assume about her and and nervous Nelly Mm-hmm. Yes, nervous Nelly. Nice. And and then completely avoid no pun intended di- diagnosing him with what attachment style he has. And I also just on that note want to say that I I didn't love that they they kept referring to her emotionality as being equal to her anxious attachment style mm-hmm. and and then like using that as like a negative personality trait I'm uh, like sorry how did we get here (laughs) sorry a little tangent there but (laughs) it was it was a lot I mean we're we're saying don't do this and then immediately doing that like okay it's it's a great point and you know the various attachment styles those are in the diagnostic statistical manual which is the manual that psychologists, counselors, doctors get diagnoses from. And uh, if we're not diagnosing, why are we presuming that this is what each of them has, but focusing on the one who's nervous Nelly? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. She also didn't have like a cutesy name for the avoidant one, which I just thought was interesting. Um, <laughs> that's true. What was the, the secure, secure, secure Steve, Steve? <laughs> which let's also get into the binary nature of this conversation. Right. Yes, we completely yes, erase yes. those who aren't women or men. Thank you. And also it's incredibly cis heteronormative. So mm-hmm. yes, like it was very focused and then at the, I'm jumping ahead, but yeah, at good. the end, Nick was talking about, um, isn't it that a lot of women have the anxious attachment styles and the men are avoidant? And it's like, okay, how about women and women? How about men and men? How about those who don't identify as either? Like we're, we're erasing an entire group, groups of people in this conversation. Mm -hmm. And that to me as a non-binary person just felt like super dismissive. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would hope as a psychologist with a doctorate, one would at least think about the queer people, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. Um, that was, that was something that definitely got under my skin a little Mm -hmm. bit too. Certainly. Um, But, and with back to the attachment style. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's two primary attachment styles, secure, which we would all love to be secure, mm-hmm. right? And then insecure. Yeah. And then in the insecure attachment style, people tend to be anxious or avoidant mm-hmm. or a combination of the two, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, just full disclosure, my attachment style is anxious and my partner is anxious and avoidant. So mm-hmm. there are times where she might need some extra encouragement or validation. And because of my attachment style, because I, I tend to be that way too, I'm able to give that. There are times 
when Mm -hmm. she Mm -hmm. will default to the avoidant by no Mm -hmm. fault of her own because Mm -hmm. of hashtag trauma Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. will shut down. And as an anxious person, I will sense that Mm -hmm. and want to repair and do what I can to Mm. show up for. Yeah. And that's a positive in my opinion. Well, it can be. Yeah. And there are times where she's like, I I can't, or I don't know. Mm -hmm. And so it can be challenging to navigate, especially when you have the anxious and the avoidant tend to attract one another Mm -hmm. just by default. Yes. And so if you're one or the other, and you end up attaching a secure partner, one of the lucky golden eggs out there, that can help the person who's either anxious or avoidant come closer to secure because they can show up for and give you what you need. Yeah. And it's not, they don't shut down or reach for more. Um, Just a little psychoeducation. Thank you. (laughs) Truly. Thank you. Somebody, my therapist made me buy the book attached um, many years ago. Yep. So that I could read it and I never did. Um, and no it's one good. <laughs> I know. I think I'm probably a mixture myself um, of anxious and avoidant. I think I'm, yeah. <sighs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to say. Within conflict, it's hard. I think within conflict, I'm anxious. And then within like mm-hmm. other elements, I'm a little avoidant. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that the, there's also like you mentioned the word trauma in it. And I, it kind of just triggered me into thinking about like, this concept too right now is like the whole story that Taylor is talking about too is like was a traumatic moment in her life right so we're looking at this years removed from it all too well she remembers it all too well we're, that's the thing is like I want to really make sure we're like we're it's so wild to me that Nick's first inclination is to like break it down as if it's like something that's like just this one-off and how how emotional and crazy and we're subscribing this and torturing this man it's like she's literally talking about a concept that happened to her that was traumatic she has had time to process it and he had this whole thing on Sunday where he's like I mean Taylor can do it because she's an amazing songwriter but don't everyone else go out there trying to like bring up old relationship trauma for the sake of just like bringing it up it's like sir you don't know the intention between when anyone else is trying to bring up stuff like this but also like again it's all too well she she was there she was present she's talking about it so can we just fucking listen like the whole point of talking about a lot of these things and having these labels and talking about them more is that so women and other people non-binary then can recognize these behaviors and not go through more extended trauma and the trauma in this particular case cannot be removed from the fact that she was 20 and the person she was dating was almost 10 years older than her. (laughs) Exactly. At the beginning, Nick states he wants to use this fight, this argument in the kitchen of this short film as a case study. And yet in a case study, and I'm, I'm not in school for this, but correct me if I'm wrong, a case study requires 
including all of the data that is involved in this situation, right? And God not once. Her, God bless not, this producer that kept trying to come yes, in and be like, I'm yes. a Swifty and I know what's happening. And she's like trying her darndest. And I was like, God, this poor fucking woman. <laughs> I, I that, that producer knows, was yeah. my highlight of the episode. <laughs> A hundred percent. Every time she'd come in with her little, like, um, can I also, there's this, uh, <laughs> it was good. <laughs> but yeah, they're avoiding but, major parts of the case study. Yeah. Like the huge yes. part of the case yeah. study. Exactly. C- case and- study. I, I have done five case studies for my diversity courses semester. And we take each bit of data and information that we have and break it down mm-hmm. and look from like a macro lens into the micro and it, we we don't know near enough to pretend to treat it like a case study mm-hmm. so yes. if anything don't call it a case study sir mm-hmm. that is not what this is. Exactly. I, I have so many sprinkled in my like 30 pages of notes that I begrudgingly took today, scribbling and angrily. Um, I so many times I'm like, there he's missing, he and this counselor. counselor that he has, they're missing the whole part. This isn't just a, an isolated argument. Yeah. If you yeah. listen to the song, mm-hmm. if you listen to the album or know anything and, and as with any relationship, it's not just about this one incident. Mm-hmm. It's a buildup. It's a, it's a, like he keeps talking about foundation. Like there's, we don't know what this argument, what the foundation looks like underneath it. So mm-hmm. um, I, I just forgot what I was going to say. But when, when they keep referring back to, you know, she needs to lighten up and she's, she's what the word she's drowning him and Mm -hmm. she's coming on too strong and she's this and she's that it's like, okay, but we don't know, like there was a discussion about how she's too invested too Mm -hmm. early and Mm -hmm. he, he, Mm -hmm. he's obviously retracting and Mm -hmm. she's clinging to with her anxious attachment style. It's like, we don't know the the things that he said to her the to to make her believe that he's there with her like she, for some she's there somehow and well, it's not based yeah. on nothing other than like the fact that the video is very well directed and shot to show us a love story that is i am not going to say love intense yeah it's intense like they yes. are intensely in love in the beginning and she is being, I mean, she, it literally opens up with, are you real? And he's just like, what do you, you know, like, like mm-hmm. he, uh, the relationship, the, the video shows us that it, it gives us the context we need that they exactly. are very close. And then he is, there's moments of him acting like this, the fight where he's like screaming on the phone, isn't necessarily about her, but it's like, the way that mm-hmm. he is treating in this moment, it's like these signs, these things. Taylor's telling us that she didn't just do a one-off diagnosis of gaslighting. Also, Taylor doesn't even say gaslighting in this whole thing, you know, like whatever. Like Taylor's just talking about like this experience that she experienced as a teen. And she said in a video that you sent me this like whole thing. It's like you're living partially as a child and partially as a woman, and you're going through this experience and you are she didn't really say this part, but it's like, yeah, you're obviously going to have emotions. You're obviously not going to know how to like, um, do all of these like 
things that the doctor wants us to do. <laughs> right. She doesn't, hasn't gone through it. And the person who is much older than her has a responsibility to not steamroll the, the conversation in the way that he did. Um, accusing her of being emotional, crazy, selfish. This um, is insane. Making up something yeah. that didn't happen. Um, yeah. Completely, like, literally making it up and saying that uh, you're... I. She says, you're making me feel stupid. He says, you're making yourself feel stupid. Like there's so many egregious like things that happened in that scene that I'm like, still just like, am I high right now thinking that I listened to a podcast episode where two people tried to be like, yeah, I mean, she was the emotional one. This man was literally belittling her and gaslighting her. Whether he is considered somebody we can call a gaslighting narcissist I don't fucking give a shit about that (laughs) what I give a shit about is that I watch somebody gaslight somebody who is nine years their junior and then act like it's not a big deal say oh my god Bubby let's just everything's great (laughs) after after just telling her when she said this thing happened that was clearly so upsetting for her and he says to her you're you're mad about something I don't even remember happened. And it's like trivializing, diverting, forgetting three of the things the doctor said gaslighting were. Yes. Yeah. Three things. (laughs) Three of the things. He did it. And 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 even if it's just like we're gonna round it up to toxic behavior, it was definitely toxic behavior happening from again an older man to a young woman who is. I, okay, when I when I talk about the age stuff, I get I get in trouble sometimes. People get mad at me in the DMs. <laughs> I I do I do absolutely understand that large age gap relationships can and have and will work. Yeah. Um, I also understand that sometimes that can work when it is one of the persons is quite young, like in their like early twenties or not even twenty one. Sure, I believe it can work, but I do think that large age gap relationships that typically work are when they're like already a little bit older and formed and like, you know, functioning when it is somebody who is in under the age of 21, mm-hmm. like, and again, I'm that- not, yeah, I'm not saying that they don't have autonomy. I'm not saying they aren't making choices. I'm not saying they're being like, mm, you know, like uh taken you know like completely for a fool or anything people are making choices you know often not always first of all but um there are times where women are making these choices but it's like to just completely disregard the the maturity imbalance the power imbalance the power yes. dynamics that are involved with this and i'm sorry jake gyllenhaal was a power older powerful actor yes and yep. Taylor was somebody who was being dragged in the media for being an emotional woman who writes about her saw her exes. Like the power imbalance is so wild to me. And I'm not saying that she's forever without fault, but it's like in this particular situation, can't we all just fucking agree that it was gross, manipulative, toxic, and a traumatic experience for this woman? Yes, and I would like, speaking of the age and mm-hmm. the Jake Hall of it all, yes. um, hopefully that'll be somebody's memoir one day. Um, 
there was a TikTok Nick's. that you posted that I yes, Nick's Nick's uh first memoir on his podcast network. Um Jenna, a TikTok you posted by someone with the handle Zero Wolf with uh two O's. And so he pointed out that the intentionality behind choosing mm-hmm. Dylan and Sadie mm-hmm. in these roles based around age. Mm-hmm. So Taylor was incredibly intentional in choosing them, used public knowledge of Dylan and Sadie to make a point. Mm-hmm. The age gap with the actors matches up with Swift and Jalen Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, Dylan was at the peak of his popularity as an adult about 10 years ago. Sadie's most recognizable and popular roles were done recently as a child actress. We watched her grow up over the last five to six years, and we still perceive her as a child actress because she debuted as a child after he was already at the peak of his career. His peak was when she was 11. (laughs) Yeah. And this is a parallel to Taylor Swift coming up as a young teenager Mm -hmm. when Jake was at the peak of his career. Mm -hmm. And then... When they got together, he was in films that were flopping, um, and she was at uh, she was hot, she like height of not height of her popularity. She's mm-hmm. probably height is now, but she was just beginning to get incredibly popular. Mm-hmm. And so, so many of us, the public, sees her as a teenager still. Mm-hmm. And I would posit that she has this idea of who Jake is based on who she's seen him represent Mm -hmm. as she has grown up as a teenager when he's acting in these adult roles. Mm -hmm. And so there's probably this, like, are you real, said in the beginning, Mm -hmm. fantasy element of it for her. And he has, as you mentioned, an incredible power advantage Mm -hmm. over her because of who he is and his status Mm -hmm. and it i agree it's gross (laughs) and i i think she makes a great point in this um lost my train of thought but you're good it's amazing i one thing i will say real quick is like um i what i think is like why nick is acting this way and a lot of other men who are very upset mm-hmm. this week is that mm-hmm. Taylor now has an upper hand in many ways and has had mm-hmm. one for many years because of what she does. Right. And I think that's so threatening to men, even men who haven't done anything quote unquote wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. That their society, their place in society is threatened by women who are powerful enough to use words, to use their experiences and talk about it. And so I think that like, yeah, like that's so that's like an element to it that I'm like, mm, let's not like forget that. And like, I think Nick is feeling incredibly defensive. The big elephant in the room is that he is a 40 year old man dissecting whether this is a traumatic experience while he is dating a woman that he started dating when she was 21 and 18 yes. year age difference. Again, I do not want to influence infantile, infantilize. 
It's a hard word. Infantilize. Natalie or Sadie or Taylor. I'm really mm-hmm. not. I really think they're all very strong individuals. I really think Natalie actually probably has like a, a way more maturity than Nick, way mm-hmm. more autonomy choices than Nick, way more connected to herself. I listened to her podcast thing that she did with on Dear Shandy. She sounds like somebody who's really been through some things in her life and is really is on a path to like really living her life. I think that's great, but Mm -hmm. like there just comes different, like the the maturity level, like, and you have to abide by this campsite role. Like they're younger and they're going to have moments where they're going to be emotional. Like Sadie was, and how are you going to react? Well, not only that, but even, even if age is a non-factor here and maturity is a non-factor, there is something that comes with age that cannot be denied. And that is experience. That is relationships. That is friendships. That is, as he says later, he talks about how he grew through his own issues because when he was 20, he acted a certain way and and he's like, can we just like avoid all of the trauma of our twenties, sir? We might be able to, if you stop dating 20 year olds, (laughs) if you would stop dating us, we'd try. (laughs) Maybe we could get through it differently. Maybe I would row it a different way if I wasn't being traumatized. That's exactly it. I just want to go for one second back to something Tristan said mm-hmm. earlier about the that 10 year, the, the significance of Sadie's age and Dylan's age. And, and when she was 11, he was at like the height of his kind of like career or whatever. They're, they're in, to bring it back to the fight in the kitchen, there is a very specific comment about he, how he says, we haven't seen each other in 10 years. Mm-hmm. We're catching up. We're you know, we're bonding. I haven't Mm -hmm. seen these people. They're my best friends. Mm -hmm. And yet when you think about that, when, when he says 10 years, even before I was thinking deeply about any of this, I remember watching that on Friday night thinking, God, 10 years, she would have been like 10, 11 (laughs) at that time. Like, like no wonder she felt so uncomfortable. They're talking about Oh my God. Oh, like when, like she's sitting around this table and they're like, oh yeah, 10 years ago when we were making that movie or wherever these friends were from, I don't know. But, and she's sitting there probably thinking like, oh my God, I was like in grade six or whatever, when this was happening. And there's another song in the album that my daughter, Chelsea, who's a way bigger Swifty than I am, um, mentioned in another song in the album where she talks about, um, this relationship as well about how all these the books he talks with his friends about books that she's never read and it's Mm -hmm. it's that it's that illusion she alludes to that age gap and Mm -hmm. how you know she kind of is just like this almost like he he like he likes that feeling but then it's very inconvenient for him when he's around friends his age because she's like this annoying little like get off me as he drops her hand at the table like stop like you know and and that of course that feels uncomfortable for her and of course she feels embarrassed and stupid and all of those things so I just all everything that they're talking about in this podcast it was really infuriating because they're not just to go back to the case study theory Mm -hmm. like they're not looking at the bigger picture. They're not looking at how they got there mm-hmm. to that argument. Sorry. No, it's good. If, if we are doing a case study, we need to factor in age. Yeah. Yes. There's, I mean, if from a, from like a counseling perspective, there's, 
this thing called the addressing model. So you factor in age, disability, religion, ethnicity, uh, sexuality, mm -hmm. spirituality, mm. uh, indigenous heritage, nationality, and gender. Mm. And that's, there are more areas in which you would also consider, but at H is the first one. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we don't even, don't even touch it. I mean, they say, uh, the doctor said regarding the dinner scene, uh, she felt young, but that was the only mention I recall hearing of age. <laughs> Did you just say yes. she felt young? She Candace is has, young. Candace has a receipt. <laughs> she's technically yes. not even supposed to be drinking the fucking wine that she's drinking at the dinner table. Exactly. Literally. Yep. So I, was, I go, I'm going back to Taylor's to the lyrics real quick. Cause this is oh, something yeah. I wanted to make sure we talk about too. Like, this is not, this is, not like Nick specific. It's more of like just, yeah, the feeling that I feel the song. So um, you said if we were closer in age, maybe it would have been fine. And that made me want to die. The the idea you had of me, who is she? A never needy, ever lovely jewel who shines, reflects on you. I mean, come <gasps> on. The way that men mm. idolize younger, sparkly yeah. Energetic, effervescent, positive women to make them reflect better. And and then when the idea and then when the idea of you had of me didn't align because I had an emotion when I wasn't the perfect little shiny object that you were taking advantage of. When I wasn't that anymore, you threw me to the side. And like that, those weren't Taylor's lyrics anymore. That was me. No. <laughs> but I sounded just as good. Um, no, uh, I mean, I just like the idea that like this man like attempted to take like her, like her, her youth, her spot. Like that's what this yeah. is often, not always, but so often no. when it is a large age gap and a younger woman, it's like they're just feeding off of this like ever lovely jewel whose shine reflects on you. Oh my God. So Jenna, I'm so glad you brought this up. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but mm -hmm. like, I just, this is a huge part of that narcissistic personality traits. Mm -hmm. I just want to like, just address that really quickly. Like we all, this is my many years of therapy <laughs> coming into play here, but like we all have narcissistic tendencies. We yes. have to, it's so how we survive. It's go. how we we, we protect ourselves and mm. how we, all of these things, but there are some people that have, that are more narcissistic and have more narcissistic behaviors and tendencies. And then of course there are the diagnosed narcissists, but that's not where we're going here. <laughs> these narcissistic tendencies that live heavily in certain kinds of people and certain people, um, something that I have I have come to really understand and appreciate with the help of my therapist is that because I'm going to, I'm going to talk about something that the, the, this counselor says on the podcast about, we need to look at ourselves and see why, why are we attracting these narcissistic mm. people? And mm. what is it? Mm. What is it about? I, mm. We have to hold ourselves accountable as to why we are being attracted to these people and allowing these people into our lives. What am I doing and where is my accountability? So I just want to go to that lyric that you just said, because what 
my therapist helped me understand is that, cause I asked the same question, what is it about me that I keep attracting these people? Mm-hmm. And she said, and I'm paraphrasing of course, but people with narcissistic tendencies are drawn to empathetic, kind, patient people because they, first of all, see the best, tend tend to always see the best in people or try to see the best in people. Also, they reflect the very best of what that narcissistic person wants to see in themselves back at them. And so when they were talking about this on the podcast, I was like furiously scribbling because I mean, I'm certainly no expert, but this is what I focus a lot of my therapy on and what's helped me the most in my own growth that these people are attracted to, and I want to say people like Taylor, um, because, because she's, she's reflecting Mm -hmm. their very, their best version of themselves back at them. And it makes them feel good. It uplifts them. Mm -hmm. It feeds that ego for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So that lyric that you just said, (laughs) um, where she says the idea you had of me, who was she? the ever needy girl whose shine or sorry, the ever needy jewel who never reflects on or, Oh, does she say ever? I thought thought she said ever needy because, because she was needy. She always needed something from him. She needed attention. Like this was the idea that she, that he had of her, but this ever needy jewel whose shine reflects on you. And I could be wrong, but either way that, that lyric itself is exactly what we're talking about. Mm. Mm. it's yeah I think it's great that we're now understanding narcissism like in a different way too like to Uh me that I I needed to hear that in general like yeah like the concept that like reflecting the best versions onto them because we're seeing I'm seeing the best in this person so I'm reflecting that back and then they look better they feel better they can continue their like way that they are doing and I think that that is really like when something goes wrong and these arguments happen because and all of a sudden it's like well, no, you're like, I'm not doing this. You're doing this. Like, (laughs) and we question our own reality because it's like, oh yeah. Like it's, I I don't know. I may, I may, I'm probably projecting a little bit here, but it just, I, I just, I'm listening to this podcast and I'm like, (laughs) none of you have done any therapy and it shows. (laughs) (laughs) Tristan, what did you think about this? Like part two, like, do you, I'm, so the, the second half of the video, Yeah. Or are you talking about the second half of the podcast? I guess it's all kind of connected, right? Like or, what is, yeah, all yeah, of the above. Yeah. Like it's like this. <sighs> well, some things that I was writing down just mm-hmm. coming from like, uh, uh, my education experience mm-hmm. going back to the age thing. My thought, I started thinking about it from a developmental lens. Mm -hmm. So Eric Erickson, there are a lot of different developmental theories about the stages that we go through over the span of our lives. Eric Erickson was one of the big ones. And there are eight stages of development. Um, Two of the big ones are late adolescence, which is like 12 to 18-ish. And then early adulthood, which goes from 19 to, it depends, but 35-ish. Um, and Erickson said that there are certain um, 
Oh, I had my textbook earlier and was reading. <laughs> now I forgot. Um, but that there are different stages we go through. And if we don't, okay, developmental task is yeah. what it is. And if we don't achieve that task, we might have a crisis of mm. some kind. Mm. And so the, the basic conflict in late adolescence, which is the 12 to 18, is identity versus role confusion. Okay, and yeah. important events are social relationships. We need to develop a sense of self and identity. Success leads to the ability to say true to yourself and failure equals role confusion and a weak sense of self. So based on Taylor's early life experiences, being in the limelight, I would imagine it's challenging to figure out who the hell you are. Right. When there's um, people projecting you on you, yes, what, what they precisely. see of you. Mm-hmm. And so she, I mean, being 19, 20, when she enters this relationship, um, she's at a really vulnerable place. And then as we go into early adulthood, the 20 and up or 20 to 35, the basic conflict is intimacy versus isolation. The important events are relationships. Mm -hmm. We need to form intimate, loving relationships. Success leads to strong relationships. Failure leads to loneliness and isolation. So this came at an incredibly impactful time in her life. Mm -hmm. And I also don't like that we're minimizing the three months of it all because at this age, three months is forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, and Nick alluded to like his first heartbreak and how hard it was. I don't know about y'all, but mine was absolutely devastating. Mm -hmm. And because for me, it was at that 17, 18 age it messed me up in a big way for a while. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine just putting myself in Taylor's shoes, especially being dreamy eyed Jake Gyllenhaal, where, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, assuming we all know it, um, that's probably a tough one to get over mm-hmm. at, at best. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and she yeah. and it, in the video, she looks isolated. I can't imagine she could really go to her friends and family and be like, "This older man made me feel this way," because she's probably embarrassed. Exactly, and I mean, also, it does such a number on your self esteem to yeah. go through yes. something like that, but with a person like him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I can't think of a word other than devastating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when like, and I, she talks about it in another song and it, it, obviously in this video when she, like her birthday party, like mm-hmm. her 21st birthday yes. party, that was such a huge, obviously thing for her as she wrote a few songs about it and references it and the, and the, the role it plays in this film, but to imagine what that must've felt like and to have people asking you like oh when is he getting here like Mm. you're dating Jake right like Mm. he's coming like it's a big deal you're in love and all these things and then he just like doesn't show up at your party like Mm -hmm. that sounds trivial maybe to someone like Nick Vial who's 40 (laughs) like maybe you don't remember when you turned 20 21 but like that is especially 
if anyone knows Taylor Swift, her birthday parties are epic. She's like, (laughs) she always like, it's always this huge thing for her. And it's a very, so to know this over the years, and then to think that he actually didn't show up to her 21st, like in, when you think you're in a loving or maybe not loving, but you're in this intense, very meaningful, deep relationship with somebody and they just don't show up. Like just what that would do, like, like, do I mean nothing to you? Like, it's just, uh, I never want to, I would never want to trivialize like the three months of it all. I think that's so, um, such a harmful narrative that has been on the internet this week for sure from everyone involved, even people who like you know, like I, I was like, at first I'm like, Oh, you know, people were like, Oh, it's cause she maybe lost her virginity. And I'm like, well, Oh, and oh somebody's like, no, we shouldn't be focusing on that. First of all. But second of all, like, no, 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 we can have like intense relationships that are like short. And I'm like, yeah, no, of course we can. You're right. Like the last three months relationship I was in was quite intense when I was a yeah. full fledged adult. So yeah, sure. I think we, I'm, I'm really glad we brought that up. Cause it's like, that's literally not the point of it at all. Um, but again, you know what, even if it is, even if fucking is like I, I, you know, if I could just be so, um, if I could, you know, be so reductive about it, even if this younger woman is being so overly emotional and all these things, again, she is young and doesn't have the tools in her bucket. She's figuring herself out as Tristan was talking about, like trying to get through this and a man coming in and doing all this. Sorry, we are and how I'm gendering it again, but like, ugh, yeah. somebody who's older and doing this is like, even if it's like reductive like that, like that's still fucked up. And I, and I'm just glad we're like, I'm just happy somebody like Taylor could write about it and talk about it. And only so, so many other people. And like Nick's whole thing over and over again is that we're using these terms, knowing new phrases about behaviors and using it as a weapon. That's his main, that, forget oh. fucking everything that he's trying to pretend. Yes. Like he's oh. trying to, he literally is like, well, uh, hopefully this episode is, helping my listeners who I love they're all female and I love them and and I and I just want them to like you know have good tools in their pocket and I'm like wait so do you want us to have tools of knowing what is happening to us or do you not want us to do that because it sounds like the majority of your main issue is that you think we are weaponizing our experiences against the people who are hurting us and it just seems so When he says at the top of the episode, and I wrote it down right mm-hmm. away, that's when I was like, I need to stop and, and take notes because he says, now that we've learned all of these terms, we're like walking around thinking that we need to call it out every time we see it. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of, that's kind of the point, like actually to, to give us the words and the language to recognize behavior when we see it, like, yeah, that's. That's the, that's the point, Nick. Like what? <laughs> and like the doctor makes a good point in, in a sense, like, yeah, but she's speaking the fucking obvious dude. Everyone's, everyone's taking their time. Right. You know, like she's saying like, you know, if you're in a relationship and you notice a, 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 a gaslighting behavior, like write it down in a journal, be aware of your experiences so that if it keeps happening, then you can leave sooner than later. Everyone's doing that already. Okay. No one's just like literally having one person do one thing to you and you're like you're a fucking no we're all going through these relationships and we're 
experiencing it and then we get out of it and then we're like oh that was gaslighting and also like some people i'm sure like oh my ex is a gaslighter and that's fine whatever if you feel like you're if that person's being too intense with the labeling i agree we can't label everyone but like i don't think that's a problem to be uh handing these tools to these people to like (laughs) get through these relationships Exactly. And there's a difference between labeling people and diagnosing people and versus recognizing behaviors and, and address and addressing the behaviors. Like that's, that's the point is, is to, that's how we learn. That's how we grow. But what I, like what Nick says at the end where he's like, you know, we, we learn and we figure it out and we learn how to communicate and, and this is how we get better. And it's like, yeah, Nick, that's the point. But when, when she's 19, when she's 20 years old, she hasn't had that opportunity. So it's sorry. I know I just like went back, but I'm like, but he wants to completely avoid the age part, but he's talking about as if this is to some two individuals on the same playing field all the time and blah, blah, blah. But also again, actually throw all of that away. Again, it's good that Sadie is noticing this and then like, Mm -hmm. you know, no, it's good that other people are watching this and seeing this and being like, oh, I don't want this behavior. You know, like, that's good. It's a good yeah. Thing. Recognizing the behavior for what it is. And yeah. it kind of tying in with that at 31 minutes in, he's talking about people being stuck and mm-hmm. he is really trying to hammer in the point. Well, like they're not really stuck right? They can just, they can just leave. They can just get out. And it completely minimizes the fact that people who are in abusive relationships, whether it's psychological, physical, etc., sometimes it's not safe to leave. Mm-hmm. So yeah. sometimes people are literally stuck. Plus the cycle of abuse is such that it, it it's, you have the, what they were talking about, And Candice, you might be able to speak more to it with your experience and knowledge around narcissism, but there tends to be this cycle of abuse where there's the love bombing and there's a tension building. um, And then there's kind of like an explosion. Mm -hmm. And then oftentimes that's that's when you have the stonewalling and the gaslighting Mm -hmm. and uh, all the terms we're now familiar with. (laughs) And then there's the reparation stage and then it just cycles goes back over and when when you're in that cycle i've been in that cycle it's insidious and it's i mean being in that cycle almost killed me and i could barely pull myself out it was through the help of some people who really stuck by me through some shit that i was able to get out but it i mean close, close to the point of not Mm -hmm. being here. Um, and it, it's just reducing it to, well, you can just leave felt so victim blamey to me. Mm -hmm. Well, and then not to like, but also like Tristan, were you being too emotional? Were you flooding your partner? Like the entire conversation was based on like what in theory you were doing wrong to trigger the avoidant attachment style partner's reaction to you. And I felt like that was so problematic. Um, But also I want to say, I'm happy for you that you're in a, that you were able to get out of that. And I'm really happy you had people there with you. Um, Me too. Thanks for being vulnerable, but like, it's just, oh, 
And I think, I think to, to speak to this though, like let's, the elephant in the room is who listens to Nick's podcast? Who's listening to Nick's podcast? I, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to gender it because I think, I think it's, I mean, from, from what I've seen and what I, I hate to say, I used to listen to his podcast. Um, it's, it's a lot of younger women. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To hear this quote unquote advice from him and this counselor saying like, examine your contributions to this. What are you doing wrong? How can you change? How are you contributing to, to this dynamic? And I mean, I, I, I have to say, I, I spent, I spent the better part of a decade asking myself that question. And I, I mean, Tristan, I, 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 I certainly wasn't in the same, in a similar situation, but it was a really bad cycle of, like the invalidation when like feeling away, I think I should communicate this because this is really upsetting me being invalidated, be like questioning my reality. Did I actually feel that? Like, did that actually happen? Or did I misinterpret that? Or did I read that wrong? And then because I've brought it up now, I'm the one who's in trouble. Like I'm the one not in trouble, but like, I'm suddenly he's mad at me. And he's not talking to me. And now I'm questioning like, well, did I do something wrong? Maybe I shouldn't have brought that up. Maybe I, 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 I misunderstood. And now, and then it's like, now, instead of having my needs and my concerns addressed about the behavior that was happening now, I'm like, I'm so sorry, please talk to me, please. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't want, I just want to get things back to status quo because like, that was more, that was better. And more enjoyable than now what's happening. And then finally getting to a point where you're like, oh, okay, things are normal now. And it's almost like I have this burning, like, don't let that happen again, because look how miserable your life was for two weeks. It's like, and then you're walking on eggshells. That's exactly it. And even, even though I, to be truthful, like it, it was a very, it felt looking back before I understood all of these dynamics that we're now talking about. I really considered that a really great relationship. We had our ups and downs like anybody. I was very young. I was 18 when we met. He's only a few few years older, but much more experienced in relationships. And Mm -hmm. I trusted him. And he was like, Mm, then you you learn all the trust trust part of it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's, I think where Mm -hmm. I was trying to go is that you Mm -hmm. put your trust in someone and they, they love you. Like, Mm -hmm. So why would they do, they, they mm-hmm. wouldn't do that to me on purpose. So you kind of like convince yourself in, within this cycle um, that, yeah. And, and I'm just, I'm picturing Sadie's face in the kitchen after he says, look, come on, come on. And he like puts his head or his hand on her head and he's like, you're okay. We're okay. Like this is like without addressing what just happened. <laughs> and she's kind of like, okay, well, this feels better than what I was just feeling. So I guess I'll just go with this. And yet nothing was ever addressed. And so I, I know that was like a weird segue back to what happened, but until you're older and until you do the work and you have more relationships and you know yourself a little bit more, do, do you look back and I'll, I'll go back to the video. Like she's 10 years out, she's written this book about her experience and she has this perspective and you can call things what they were and you can recognize 
the harm that they did. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, I'm going to go on just another little Taylor tangent. Like when she first released Red, um, there were a couple interviews that she, well, a lot of interviews that she did, but people asked, you know, did you hear from anyone you wrote about on this album? And oh she was just coming off of her album where she wrote that song about John Mayer. <sighs> and yeah. he was pissed about it, like mm-hmm. pissed. And she said, she makes a comment. I'm, I'm going to paraphrase, of course, but um, she makes a comment about, yeah, I did. And he said it was bittersweet. Like he, he reached out, he enjoyed it, or he made some comments about how it was like a bittersweet thing to listen to this album about their relationship, whatever. And she was like, you know, that was really nice, better response than I've gotten from other people. Ha ha. <laughs> And, and so now 10 years out, people are like, we'll see now why she re- she's bringing it all back up and she's creating this thing in this short film. It's like, yeah, because she has perspective. And she's like, 10 years out, she's not 20 anymore. Like, anyway, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, I love <laughs> it. No, like, we know, need to, oh my God. This is, but this is what happens when you have age and you have experience. So to go to your point, Jenna, like, Yes, age gaps can work. They certainly can. And they're not mm-hmm. always manipulative and, and unhealthy. No, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But I think in a situation like this that Nick and this counselor are talking about, that's a huge piece of the puzzle that they're not discussing. And that has a huge influence on this quote unquote advice that they're giving to women. Yes. About their emotionality. <laughs> This advice that they are giving to a predominantly young female fan base. And I do think just the way he kind of brands himself as this like relationship coach ish thing can be really dangerous Mm -hmm. and harmful, especially irresponsible, I think is the best, Mm -hmm. best word. Um, just especially when the, you know, how, how can I stop attracting this type of person to, to what you said earlier, Candace, it's just like, yeah, we all have our part and that type of person seeks out a certain kind of person, like you said, Mm -hmm. and also just speaking to what the scene you were talking about where they come back together in the kitchen and he's just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, dropped her hand and just kind of like, makes light of it in a way um just because he apologized doesn't mean it was an actual repair like mm-hmm, you said it's mm-hmm. it, it wasn't addressed Mm-mm. the what actually was going on and yeah. there is something also called cognitive empathy where it's acting as if you feel empathy without actually feeling it mm. and i very well could see this occurring in this scene right here he's just mm-hmm. like okay I'm tired of fighting let me just like say something to make her yeah. happy and shut her up and especially like when the tears come that's when he seems to be like okay I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry and it's just it my perception was that he said it to get it to stop and then um, he said yes yeah. and then you add in like he breaks up with her later and it's clearly be- according to Nick and the doctor it's because she was flooding him so many times we don't okay right (laughs) but anyway not not addressing his part in being flooded right or yeah and his action and what he is doing with his words and physical body but then later like you know she gets broken up with 
And that's clearly part of the reason she's so fucking devastated is like she blames herself for it, right? Like, mm-hmm. or I'm assuming you blame yourself partially for being too emotional, too young, and too irrational. And it's like, that doesn't help, you know, the situation at all. So I just like think that's harmful as well. And like, back to Candace, what you said too, like, or like what we've all been saying is like, people in these relationships, if they're an empathetic person and all these different things, they are spending the majority of their living day thinking about how they can be a better person in this relationship only to have it be used against them when it is these toxic moments, you know, when it's toxic relationships. And it's like, so the idea that I'm just supposed to like, oh, according to these people, I'm supposed to just like think about my own actions in this and how I'm, I'm causing this bitch. I've been thinking about my actions all the entire relationship. That's what I'm doing. Actually, Jenna, Nick says that in his, in the podcast, when he said he talks about his first relationship and how much time he spent thinking about how I can make this better, what I can do. But I, I, he learned that that's, I, anyway, and I don't I'm glad. Go. I'm <laughs> glad that he learned. I'm, yeah. I'm happy that he learned that putting in too much work was not healthy. He even brings Michelle into it from The Bachelorette, and he's like, she was causing herself to be sick, but she was putting too much work into this. So, like, that was a good moment. I was like, yes, 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 yes. And there was a, the one like Easter egg for me was that like, or a good moment was that he was like, how can we help people get through these moments faster? And it was asking for certain advice. And I think the doctor gave some good advice in those moments. Like, yes, yeah, like write it down be aware and leave when it's becoming a pattern so like those were good moments that were valuable and again I also appreciated that Nick was like how can we speed through these parts more so that we don't we don't end up in a really vicious cycle I like I I want that to be the case and I'm glad that he got through that but it's just like funny to me that he can't fucking have one ounce of empathy for this situation that exactly no I I wrote that down I had a couple of points too that I I did find positive out out of the podcast and that was one of them the Nick talking about how he grew through that experience and it took him some time and and what he learned and all of that I thought that was great um and then the moving on tips that they that the counselor gave I thought were 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 fantastic Mm -hmm. like I really appreciated that as well. There was also a comment about closure, mm-hmm. which which really resonated with me. Another Deborah highlight, my, my therapist that she said to me before, where you know we often desperately look for closure from these relationships, and that's what can co- sometimes cause us to go back and relive some of these unhealthy behaviors and getting back together and things like that. Mm -hmm. But we're looking for closure and sometimes uh, often more often than not closure isn't going to help, or we're not going to get it from the person that we want it from. And we have to find that closure on our own Mm -hmm. and like quote unquote closure. So, um, yeah, I, I agree, Jenna. There were some, there were some positive things and I, and I, I appreciated the Michelle shout out because Michelle is a queen and we love her. <laughs> it was a good, it was a good Incredible. example of what was, what was yeah. being talked about, which I thought was, you know, it, it was like, oh, I agree. He, he gets it. He gets it. There's a moment of he gets it. <laughs> so why isn't he, so why isn't he extending that same compassion and empathy towards this situation? Um, Tristan, do you have like an, a moment that was positive? And then we'll kind of like try to, let's try to wrap this up. Cause I think we've, 
You said a lot of what we need to say. <laughs> well, and I'll give us a chance to like say any last things for sure. But um, I did give the task of finding one good thing that came. Well, one of the things I noticed is their uh, their input on love bombing was really accurate. Mm, yeah, um, yes. Just someone who's doing a lot of love bombing uh, will often then do gaslighting and completely deny your reality. Mm. Um, and just having that, being aware of some of the signs of that love bombing. I mean, it's in the beginning of a relationship, it's new, it's exciting, it's fun. You want to tell the person all the nice things you like about them and being aware of somebody wanting to um, like, uh, just like close it down real quick, real fast. Mm -hmm. Like the doctor gave the example of, I think it was like two dozen roses every day for a mm -hmm. week or something like that. Yes, It's, I yeah. mean, a little bit, a little bit much. And so, you know, showing the person that we're newly talking with or dating that we care about them is great. And being aware of some of these signs can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I appreciated little sprinklings yes. of, of the input they had. And I, I appreciated that bit about closure too. Mm -hmm. um, that was actually something I needed to hear that like often, often we don't get the closure from the person we want to get it from. Mm -hmm. yeah. We, we have to look for that within ourselves. So yeah. true. So true. Oh my goodness. Um. <sighs> Oh, oh boy. I, you know, I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> to be honest, I feel better. I feel, I feel like, um, I, hopefully we made some, some, you know, head of like just our feelings regarding it. I was like, I remember I started the episode saying, oh, we're not going to pick apart everything you said. And then we proceeded to do that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, hopefully y'all know that it is not, you know, like, I'm not saying that this doctor is a bad person. I'm not saying Nick's a bad person. I'm not saying any of these, I'm not saying Dylan or Jake Gyllenhaal on Monsters. None of them deserve, um, like, you know, like they've all probably grown and changed too, right? Like I, it's exactly. Although Jake is dating a young woman right now still. Um, but <laughs> I, I What's that line in the song The <laughs> I've never, I was never good at jokes, but mm. the punchline goes. I'll get older, mm -hmm. but your lovers stay my age. Oh, easy. Mm -hmm. Um, we <laughs> um, all just yeah. like, you know, know that we're, we really just wanted to, def we just really wanted to have like another side to, of this conversation. Like I said, there was value in the conversation and value in like, um, yeah. you know, learning about our words and what we're doing and how we are acting in relationships. So I think there was value in the podcast episode, but I'm hoping there's value in what we did is also discussing, you know, a glaring things that they missed regarding the age compact and, and, and just like other parts and just make people feel validated and seen if you were in relationships that you felt when you watch that video, if you felt very, um, seen or triggered, I had a lot of DMS of people saying that they couldn't finish it because it was really hard. Um, I just want everyone to know that if they feel like felt seen and like, you know, yeah. Is there any uh, yeah. some closing thoughts you guys have on how you feel? <laughs> I mean, I just, I hope we can save any one of 
your listeners from going and listening to that episode because <laughs> <laughs> yeah do not bother trust don't, me don't do it unless you have I hated a giving boxing class to go yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh I know um I think just the only thing I I really want to say is that it's just I I think if you if you feel like something's off if you feel like something's not right like Nick doesn't, don't listen to Nick. <laughs> it's like, yep. you know, we, we have these terms and sure, maybe they're, maybe we're hearing them more often, but it's because we, we now we can recognize things. We have words <laughs> for what things feel like, like this feels really shitty and not cool. Uh, now I know why. <laughs> so I think, I think there is power in that and whatever comfort we can find in things like Taylor Swift music and 10 minute short films on a Friday night. I think that we, we need to embrace that as much as we can. So I, uh, that's, that's what I have to say. Yeah. I second that and, um, appreciate, uh, Jenna and Mm. Descartes for (laughs) just letting us have a little round round table chat about some feelings and and the ick of it all Mm -hmm. the ick of it all (laughs) all. oh my god no for sure um before we fully wrap up and i thank you all um i wanted my last like thing i thought of was like i i know that recently nick stated that he started watching sex in the city um and then he was oh, like God. really getting into it and I just wanted to like you know maybe like wonder who wants to like take a bet with me that he really identifies with burger um because I'm having a feeling that he identifies with burger <laughs> oh man I just re-watched that in the the first uh splash of COVID last year so. same <laughs> yeah <laughs> burger and um I mean, honestly, I, I think he sees himself in all of the relationships. He, he sees himself in Big. He sees himself in mm-hmm. Aiden. He, the parts of Aiden that are really controlling of Carrie and her personality. The burger is mm-hmm. the avoidant type that can't handle emotion. Uh, I'm sure he sees himself in uh, Alex uh, as well. In the fact that he's old. Sorry. I, I was just going to say, <laughs> I couldn't remember the artist's name at the end there. Yes, but Alex yes. Perchowski. Um, yes. Yes. And, and how dare, how dare she have her own career and, uh, wants and needs. Right. right? (laughs) (laughs) I'll take that bet. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) But, and who is in charge of having to listen to his podcast? I can't know. Um, I'll find another listener to do it. Somebody who really loves me. There you go. Um, (laughs) we did enough work now. Uh, Um, yeah, I got enough Nick for the next year. <laughs> bless, bless his sweetheart, as we say here in the South. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, thank you all so much for coming and doing this with me. I really, really, really appreciate you taking time to just like, you know, discourse it out. Um, <laughs> no, it was fun. I appreciated both of your perspectives, Tristan, especially like with all of your background and and everything. I, I I also appreciated the emotional support today as we worked through this. <laughs> yeah, uh, the group it was it was a group effort. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we all needed the support today. <laughs> we did. And I think um, I just want to suggest to our listeners, if you, you know, are feeling kind of in your feels about it right now, um, I see you, we see you, feel them, experience them, send us a DM if you'd like. And might I suggest listening to some Taylor Swift? Might it might feel might feel good. Yes. <laughs> there is a new sad girl autumn version of All Too Well that's incredible. Send me a link. Oh, got yeah. it. Send me a link. Yeah. I'll post it. I'll post it incredible. on my Instagram. She released it last night and it is Oof. yes. So good. It's really, it's really clutch for for sad, sad girl autumn. which we're all in real art right now uh all right y'all thank you so much again um tomorrow danica and i will be back with a recap of this week's of episode of the bachelorette with michelle young um i am certain that danica and i will also talk about nick then um uh we love you so much thank you for listening bye Thank you for listening to Daycard Pod. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Daycard Pod and follow your hosts at Jenna with a Smile and at Drunk Feminist. Daycard Pod is produced by Andrew Olson. You can follow him on Instagram at Androne. Our music is by Jet Overly. Follow and support him on Instagram at Jetty Boy James. And our logo design is by Michaela Jane. You can find her work at MichaelaJane.com and on Instagram at Michaela Jane. Drop a review on iTunes if you're nasty like that. Bye. Bye! Oh, hello. It's me, the ghost who haunts your phone. Just kidding, it's actually me, Avalon, the host of Boohaha, which is a thing that I do. A podcast, if you will, that happens some weeks, not all. Don't wait up, it's fine, we'll call you. Shut up. Anyway, it's about ghosts and tangents. Mostly tangents, if I'm being entirely honest. So join me each and every week-ish as I gather the funniest people I know to a campfire that I build in my living room and then regale them with spooky tales of boogans and googas. Oh, also, it's a comedy podcast, if that wasn't clear from the vibe, you know. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This, this is As Above, So Below. <laughs>